Allentown, Bethlehem, Easton, and sometimes Emmaus. Welcome to the Lehigh Valley with Love podcast. Welcome to episode 47 of the Lehigh Valley with Love podcast. Yes. I am your host, George Wacker, with our other host, Tyler Rothrock, here in the holiday, holiday spirit. Yeah, yeah. You are uh, more than me, I would say, because it's you're wearing an ugly sweater and you have no party to go to. You're going to just I have be... a party at my house later. We're having people over in yeah. like five hours. You're one of those people that just dresses... Like... I'm excited. You ever get up and you're like, we know like there's something big happening later today, so you're like all excited all day? Yeah. No. That's pretty much it. So I'm just hoping... I'm gonna well, we're, we have, we have something big happening right now, George. We have an in-studio guest. That was a really good segue, Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Doogie Horner's here. Yay! Comic, writer... Dad, father, most important, most important part. Yeah, the the most important hat that you wear. I love that on Twitter when someone's like, they're like, <laughs> president. Yeah, yeah. Actor, <laughs> philanthropist, husband. Yeah, husband. Like, oh, did you get in a fight with your wife today? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why am I not listed, honey? Bon Jovi. <laughs> so, so what's up? You you you're in town. Uh, you got a show <clears throat> at the Steel Stacks the day after Christmas. Yeah, with Jimmy Two's. Home for the holidays. It's like a local, uh, yeah, local star-studded event on the twenty-sixth at seven thirty p.m. You know, that's actually you would usually think stuff around the holidays would be that's a horrible time to schedule it, but I would totally do some comedy. I think the, the day after the day after Christmas is like the most fun time for. Because like there's all no- the shows I've done after the day after Christmas, they're always fun because everybody's like, "Get me the fuck away from right. everybody I've had to talk to for the last couple of days." Right in between the new year. It's a great time. Oh, Julianne Simmons is on it. Julianne. Also. Julianne Simmons, who's a writer for... Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. She's from, really? She's local, too. All three local. Man, um, that's crazy. So, yeah, you've been... Uh, you, you're from Northampton, right? Mm-hmm. You went to Northampton. I mean, technically, I'm from Kleckner'sville. Ooh. Well, technically, I guess I'm from Bethlehem. I'm from Bethlehem. I was born in Bethlehem, and I grew up here, and then we moved to out to Kleckner'sville. Which is near Danielsville, which is near Bath. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it's a suburb of Bath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was right at the foot of the Blue Mountain, and and then I and I went to yeah, like middle school and high school in Northampton. Yeah, um, and then you moved to Philly, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. I went to college at Tyler School of Art, and then well, that's where my that's where my story comes in because I was going to tell you how I first met you, and you wouldn't have to remember because it wouldn't matter. Did you but, shake hands with him? Yes, okay. I did. It was my buddies. Were we roommates for three yeah. years? No. <laughs> Did you introduce yourself to the man, or was it just no, from afar? No, it was more of like a, hey, how's it going? <laughs> it was... Uh, Were you wearing that sweatshirt, right? No, that sweater. Right? <laughs> you can't even tell. It's a it's remember, a Budweiser. Remember, well, I've you kept can, this. George. I've kept this three It's years. got the Budweiser. It's Anheuser-Busch lo- it's logo. It's Miller Lite. Miller Lite. Yeah, I would love if you were wearing a different beer sweatshirt. Yeah, yeah. That's just his thing. It was my buddy's bachelor party in Philadelphia, and we went to see Anthony Jeselnik at somewhere and you were there do you remember that was it the trocadero uh, yes and you opened yep. up for him yep and we were all like no we were generally like, that guy's pretty good but we were interested and you were like towards when we left you were like standing close to the entrance or whatever and we were all like hey that was a good set 
And there you go. You don't then, remember him saying that to you? <laughs> I'm offended. <laughs> no, I don't feel bad about not remembering it. <laughs> but then, no, and then I saw like your name because you are mutual friends with like people like Tyler and all that. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. that guy. It was so it was uh, pretty interesting. Small world. And then you bought he, the the Die Hard Christmas book, which you ri- you wrote. Yeah. He you. I saw Die Hard. Well, somebody showed this to me because I'm a Die Hard fan. Die, I wish it was Die, die Hard, hard two, 2 fan. Just. Just to die clarify, hard two no, I, I told him to make it Die Hard Two. Listen, <laughs> well, because well, you, you knew George Christmas. after he <laughs> yeah, met I you at the Trocadero. I remembered, I was like, I bet George would prefer Die Hard Two. <laughs> but it's Die Hard Two Christmas, which is we'll put a photo up of it. Uh, it's it's a children's book, or it's portrayed that way. So I I'm, I was gonna buy it regardless of whether like my daughter would read it or not. But then we get it, and we're going through. And you're like, yep, you definitely can't read this. You could. Well, no, like he said, you can skip a couple. Yeah, there's just a couple. You shoot, you, know, you skip when Marco shoots the guard, <laughs> and you skip when Takagi gets shot, and then you skip the last line. Just death is a part of life, Joe. Well, I, I mean, this is interesting because this is a cool item. I'm sure this is done relatively well. I would imagine. There's yeah, a publisher. Yeah. What publisher was? It's on the back. <clears throat> Inside editions. So can you like what? I'm curious because. Like what was you know you said you you went to Philly for school and you do stand up comedy but how like what where did this come from like I did another book I did a Die Hard coloring book oh yeah yeah <laughs> and then uh, Insight this wasn't uh, a Die Hard Christmas wasn't my idea it was Kelly Reed's idea she's an editor at Insight and she asked me to write it because I had done the Die Hard coloring uh-huh. book so that's how are that you happened. a big Die Hard fan too yeah huge, yeah, huge yeah. Die Hard fan. And then you you went to Tyler School and you were you was it can I say the name of the company that I, when I met you you worked for them you were des- a designer right you're designing at, covers at Quirk, Quirk Books, Quirk Books. Yep. yeah yeah I worked at Quirk for a long time and I designed a bunch of covers Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and oh wow really Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children and William Shakespeare's Star Wars yeah so I'm used to goofy books is that something you're still <laughs> doing now or is it more you do more writing <clears throat> no now i do more writing and illustration uh-huh yeah um i still do a little bit of freelance for them so occasionally i do a cover mm-hmm. or two but but what in between between stand-up uh writing and illustration what's your what's your favorite creative uh muscle uh, my favorite creative muscle is the gluteus maximus. <laughs> I, I like them all. They're all different. Yeah. You know, I started doing stand-up because before that I was just uh, drawing. And you, you just sit inside all day at your yeah. desk. And I was getting so bored. I wanted a reason to get out of the house. Uh-huh. So that's why I started doing stand-up. And you, wh- when did you start? I don't remember. I think it was maybe... Ten years. Ago. You're not one of these people that has it like marked down. Like this is my ninth anniversary. I of can't doing imagine Pat House. He counts every show. He can tell you what number shows really? he's doing. And I was like, oh my god, I would. That would depress me. If yeah. I knew what number show this was. Yeah, I'd be if it's sad. A bad show. <laughs> yeah. Like, bad show number yeah. twenty-eight thousand two hundred. <laughs> like nine, show nine eleven is a, a good one, man. I didn't want that to be a good one. You're like one thousand eight hundred fifty-five, and I'm still yet to hit it. Yeah. Well, you gained. Some, you were in. You had. You were in the national spotlight. Like was that like five years ago? Maybe with the America America's Got Talent. Yeah, that was maybe five or six years ago. That was, I'm, that was crazy. Yeah. Because you didn't, that was like, did you know that it was going to turn into, you, do you know what happened? I mean, I know that you were on it, but you He could, was on America's Got Talent, yeah. and, well, you could tell a story. It, you know, the crowd, 
was were they hostile from the get? They were extremely hostile. So I was it was at the Hammerstein Ballroom, which I think is about three thousand people. I was the l- second to last act of the night. So they had been there. I think the show had already been like three or four or five hours. Jesus, and everybody just wanted it was just like let us leave yeah and i went up they didn't like my first joke and they started booing me <laughs> and then so like 1500 people about half of the audience started booing me. <laughs> and then they before you go up they tell you they're like don't curse first yeah. of all it's on television and then secondly you're gonna get if you get axed just keep going yeah because there's three judges and i think you need i don't know if it's two or three x's uh-huh. before you get cut off <clears throat> so Everybody's booing at me. I've told one <laughs> joke so far. <laughs> then I get an X, and they tell you to just keep going, but they don't tell you how loud the buzzer is. Yeah. It's a deafening klaxon. <laughs> and so I got scared, and I jumped, and I yelled the F word. <laughs> and then I stopped cold. So I yeah. did everything they told you not to do, and everybody's booing me. And I said, This is a horrible dream. I had been there for 10 hours. Yeah. You know, it's in New York. I took the, you get there in the morning, they shoot all this B roll and stuff. I waited this whole time to do 10 seconds yeah and they're like we don't like you and so i just stopped my acting i said you're all horrible people <laughs> you're horrible oh you don't like me yeah i don't like you yeah. and then everybody started booing <laughs> and then and then i thought it was funny because it's yeah. like kind of funny you know when you're bombing so hard yeah and <laughs> everybody's there yeah. it doesn't matter you have nothing left to lose it's kind of funny because all yeah. these people are angry at you and you're like what are you gonna do leave yeah. you know how long it's gonna take you to get your coat and yeah all that yeah shit <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. So, you actually can't leave <laughs> yeah dude so i started making fun i started uh making fun of them and yelling at them and threatening them and then <laughs> it kind of started to turn around a little bit yeah and i saw like oh i might this i might actually have a shot and so then i started telling my jokes but they were booing so loud i had to scream my jokes at the top of my lungs yeah in between insults and then and then i advanced <laughs> and everybody was like it. that was great and then everyone was like this is gonna be huge like all the producers and stuff they're like they're like have you you better buy your website and stuff yeah. like that they're like, yeah Are you on twitter get on twitter yeah and then they walked me out through the side door they had to shoot all this B-roll afterwards, uh-huh. like me talking to yeah, they didn't. the judges and Nick Cannon, because before they're like, yeah, this guy's not going to advance, so don't yeah. shoot any. And then they walked me out through the side door, because they, they realized, oh, the show just ended. Everybody's leaving. Yeah, he's going to get All these people just booed him. They're like, let's walk him out the side door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they go <laughs> out the side protection. door, there's all these people being like, you were great, or like you sucked. Yeah, fuck <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, were they still saying that after it was over? Yeah, yeah. One guy was like, there was a group of people. You can see it on the video. Then the one guy was like, you sucked. Or the one guy's like, you were great. And the other guy was like, you sucked. And I'm like, your friend liked me. <laughs> so did it change things for you, like, career-wise? Like, Well, while it was happening, it was insane. Like, everywhere I would go, i get recognized by people. And uh-huh. it was nuts. Yeah. But then afterwards, I just kept my job. Everybody's yeah. like... Here's what you need to do. Yeah. You need to quit your job. Okay. Yeah. Like your old life, guess what? Yeah. That's over. You, you were on probably TV get for a divorce. Seconds. You can get a prettier wife. Yeah. Get a better job. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Cut those people off from your old life. Yeah. Move to Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, like yeah. and Do you like yachts? You should buy a yacht. I just didn't want to I knew I'd only been doing stand up for I think five years at that point. And I knew all these people that liked me on America's Got Talent, if they go and watch me do a headlining set. They're gonna hate me. <laughs> why? Because why? Because it's it's what they saw isn't 
what you do like do what they saw is what i do but i did a lot of like weird things on the show well first of all for the first one i like screamed at people i, like, <laughs> I can't do that again it's like, this isn't my regular i don't just come out and scream at all of you so for the other ones i did like unusual things so the one i did this whole weird it was basically a skit uh-huh. but interspersed with jokes and stuff but i just know that america's got talent is very mainstream mm-hmm. and my jokes are very alternative yeah and then also even if they weren't i just i knew i wasn't good enough to headline right and that was really the only thing i wanted to do mm. and i was like i'm not a good actor dude you're beating yourself up <laughs> no no but like i'm gonna i'm gonna go to L- i just know i'm like what i'm gonna go to la and i'm you probably, gonna- but weighing the options because i bet there there have to be people <clears throat> who have that one microsecond of fame oh yeah we who are like I mean, la now and then they get out there and they're homeless and I think that's what I mean. It happens a lot. Like somebody will get in but you a can't, situation. You can't really. You can't say I wouldn't rain on their parade. I mean, you got to give it a shot. Well, it's hard, yeah, because like what you go on the road and you have to do what fifty minutes a night to headline, and you know if you're you got to bring the house down as a headliner, or people won't come back and see you. Right. There's an next. And then I think that's like some people maybe go too quick, or they'll get their thing and it goes too quick. So I mean that's. Super responsible of you to do, but also, do you ever think like, damn, should I have just done it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I made the right choice. Yeah, no. It, yeah, I just wasn't interested in going down that. I was the. That's when I was working at Quirk and I was doing graph design and I really liked doing graph design. And mm-hmm. I was writing and illustrating my own books and doing stand up. And, and is that, that kind of like where you're at? And now is it like, so stand up is just another facet of you know, your regular, you know, authoring and illustrating yeah. books. Yeah, it's just so. another thing. I That's do. what I like about Doogie. And even because like, Jim's kind of similar, like, because, you know, when I first started stand up, <clears throat> everybody's like, oh, you got to do it every night. Every re- all your relationships have to suffer, you know, <laughs> and like you have to like put the, it's got to be stand up. But then like you, you see guys like Doogie and Jim. And, <laughs> You're like, who barely do it. No, no, like, no. <laughs> they, they do it. But then they also write books. And they, well, anything yeah, they feel like doing, it's yeah. not just like, oh, I got to be thing. behind my th- writing jokes today. There's other outlets of creativity that you can can do too. And that was cool because, I mean, stand up, there's like eight people in the world right now that are <laughs> like only doing stand up and making a living. The so the odds aren't very right. good. Uh, but so what number show was that for you? The America's Got Talent? Was it your. 227, <laughs> buddy. Uh, no, but how quickly know. does that then. Um, fade away. I mean, I'm sure if you're getting recognized everywhere, you know, five years ago when it happened, you know, does it still happen now or is it? Usually now when people recognize me, it's just, it's just from having seen me uh, open up for Anthony Jesselnick at the trial <laughs> when they were <laughs> it was a good time. friends bachelor party. No, yeah. uh, usually now it's just for like stand up or Doug Loves Movies or uh-huh. my books or things like that. Most people don't. The America's Got Talent thing, I don't get rem- so crazy. recognized for anymore. I guess it's, it's because just, there's so much stuff. Yeah, there's. A, I mean, there's a lot of people that have been on the show since then. It's well, like, it seems like American Idol. No, it was um, uh, Survivor. Like that first couple years, you like you knew everybody early. Yeah, you I know? never knew one person from Survivor. No. Not even the survivalists. <laughs> the last like the one. Like first season, like you were like, okay, I recognize because it's such a big thing. And now they're in like Survivor '84, <laughs> and they're like this. You don't recognize any of the people anymore yeah. just because it's so. I'm gonna like when people that were on Survivor start dying just of old age, <laughs> and they're like. He lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the last survivor Man, is alive. They what a headline! Kicked off the island. Man, that'd be a great headline. 
survival uh, <laughs> survivor. Sur- survivor dead at 84. Poor guy. Guess he was wrong. But so are you? You're you're in Queens now, right? You moved from. Mm-hmm. Took the move from Philly to how often do you get back to the old LV, the Valley? Uh, now and then. I mean, holidays mm-hmm. and um, well, just holidays. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you don't miss Northampton or Kleckner'sville. It's not like a God no. Although you have, you have warm memories of growing up in. Oh God, it was awful. Really? I got picked on so much. I was, and I say this with some pride. The least popular person. <laughs> and I am well, you're going to like Northampton. Fucking is, proud of it. <laughs> it's kind of like, like my high school too. It's very much like if you're not in that grain of person. Yeah. It's hard when to you, be how, how how can you calculate that you are the least popular? <laughs> it's like because that almost makes you popular because you are the number there was, one. There was a man of notoriety. Definitely. <laughs> that's that's how I see. Like there are people that are unpopular and just like nobody notices them. Yeah. And then there are people that are unpopular and you get actively made fun of. And I was in that group. And then there are people that are unpopular, get actively made fun of to such a large extent that it's almost like a piece of performance that everyone in the school can watch, yeah. like a football game or something. Like, yeah. oh my God, Doogie's getting you know picked on in the hallway. Come around, you know. What would they was, pick on you for? The teachers come out. There are lots of things. Uh, would well, the teachers get involved? I remember one time. Oh, oh come God. on! A teacher <laughs> making fun of me. No, no. Good job, yeah, Northampton. Yeah. Living it up. I remember, and it really—it was one of those moments in your life That's where horrible. you're like, "Oh, you, like, yeah." The way I thought things were, like, I thought adults were different than kids. <laughs> and then I realized, oh no, nope. they're—they can be assholes yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like, what did he, what did they, I'm assuming it was a male teacher. Probably. It was a male teacher. Yeah. It was younger. It was like one of those cool teachers. Yeah, it was yeah. like one of those people that like they get it's like, out of why school. Why are you wrestling? And they're yeah. like, I don't want this to end. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I want to. I'm either going to be a cop or a teacher. Which <laughs> one? Uh, and I was wearing white Doc Martens, and he made fun of my boots, <laughs> which is valid. I mean, they were. I What's his know. name? Let's, let's call. <laughs> We should um, like call him in. He's on Survivor now. Yeah, <laughs> good job, buddy. So yeah, what that you? So then, do you think that that obviously drove you into wanting to be funny? It, well, it was I, a big help. Yeah, it's a huge help because people talk about. I don't know if you ever gotten this question, but people go, "Man, I don't know how you have the confidence to go up." There. Yeah, and it's not about confidence. It's about understanding that if an audience of strangers doesn't like you. That doesn't matter. Right. Because they're strangers. They're not connected to uh-huh. you. You know, if you don't like me, I care because you yeah. know me. If my wife doesn't like me, <laughs> I really care because she really knows me and it matters. Yeah. But a room full of strangers, if they don't like you, they might be wrong. Yeah. And even if they're right, as soon as you walk out, it's not going to impact you. Right, right. And you can take the information you learned from them, that criticism, and you can apply it to your yeah. life. And I learned that from getting made fun of in high school. I was like, all these people hate me. All these people think I suck. And for a while, I was like, I guess I much suck. And then I, I finally realized, I was like, wait, I don't suck. They suck. Yeah, they suck. All of as North soon Hampton. as I went to a different place, I was fine. As soon as yeah. I went to art school, everyone's like, you're great. Yeah. And I realized like, oh, it's the wrong crowd. Right. Right. So that helped me do stand up because it made me realize just because well, people boo you doesn't necessarily And then it came, suck. It, it, it like... It was like a microcosm on America's Got Talent in like 90 seconds. You saw basically your whole yeah. <laughs> life my, play my out. existence. Yeah, they boo you and then they're like, wait, maybe we like them. And then they <laughs> cheer. It's like how quickly people, 
That's that was when I saw that video. That was because I was really new at stand up at the time, <clears throat> and I don't know if I had seen you at like a mic at Helium or something, but I I, you know, I was like, oh, that's I I know that guy, and you know because you're you're scared of the boo all the time, and nobody ever gets booed. I've never seen anybody get booed. like you were the first person yeah, I, I saw. Get I get it uh, more than most people. I don't know why. <laughs> I perform in a lot of haunted houses. I don't know if that's <laughs> but yeah they how they like. Because it was like, oh my god, this is going so bad, and then, which is like your biggest fear, and then within seconds they were switched again. So I'm like these people are, people are so dumb. Well, they're probably like just delusional too. They've yeah. been there for five yeah, hours. I know, but they've been. Fed. It's just so crazy how it it, it, it does. I struggle with that. I, I always think every crowd. I'm like, oh, I want them to like me so much. You do because that is the point of yeah. it. But if they don't. You know, you know, yeah, take I just because I, I don't perform like that. I just hate the people who try to be part of the performance. Oh, like where like, like like they'll go uh, and like yeah. they're wear, really drunk and they're like, like the oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like what they so like they'll Backstage. wear like a, or you'll tell a story about like some bar like oh I go to this bar up the street and they'll be like I know Jimmy yeah. who's the yeah. bartender there. You mean like a heckler? Well, like a heckler who's also trying to get oh, in oh on, yeah yeah in on what you're doing. And, yeah, like, they're trying to communicate with you as you're performing. Yeah. I, those people drive me insane because I'm like, what? What? No, just let him do his thing. Well, it was funny. Last night we did a at Allentown Symphony Hall. I was doing this charity thing for uh, it was an MMA school. Finishers of MMA wanted to raise money for villages in Africa to have water. So, good. but they it was a good charitable thing. Quality thing. But, thing to do. So a couple of their instructors were trying stand up for the first time. <laughs> you know, it was like that was the thing. I was gonna host, and then a couple of comics. That they were funny. Yeah, they they weren't. It, they had the most fun. People did not want to see what I had. To, <laughs> really? But, yeah, no. Well, they probably was, want to hear their coach. They were there for like, and like the crowd oh, was MMA fighters. Uh, so like, they're like, what is this? I don't know. I don't this relate to like this. This thing's like Doogie's like nightmare. <laughs> it was. And they, they that's what these guys are doing. Anything you would say. of MMA they, fighters. So, so this, the one MMA guy was like pacing. Like I was supposed to MC, right? He was pacing backstage. And I'm like, all right, so uh, you, you obviously want to go first because you're like you've drink like pre-workout all day <laughs> so he's like i'm like i'm the host i'm gonna go up i'll do i'll settle trying to settle him in and i'll bring you up he's like, no i'm going first i'm like well that's like not how it ever works so i'll go up first you're gonna want that you're not gonna want to go up very first right he's like i was told i was going first and i'm like well you're like a fighter so you're gonna tell me what's happening i guess i'm not gonna <laughs> Like you're, you're you're pacing. You're not gonna choke me out because you want to. Yeah, yeah. Before I let him go, and it just the whole. It'd be thing. awesome if he put you in a sleeper hole. <laughs> I'm going. I thought first. he was. Lock up. <laughs> I honestly thought he he like he's like well I I I, I do know like jujitsu. I'm like did you I just get threatened? You yeah. can, look. I don't want to host that bad. Trust me. <laughs> but yeah, they were just yeah. All these people were just like that. Those were those that kind of crowd just yelling out everything. What do you think? And you that? can't say anything back. In that instance, like it's not even like a. I mean, I know it's a real show, yeah, but they're all there yeah. to just make fun yeah, of their yeah. friends. Yeah, and, exactly. And <clears throat> so how did how did you get from you, know, you go from the wonderful Northampton High School um, down to Philly, and you have the interest in graphic design and art, right? And mm -hmm. so how does that? Where, where did the comedy thing come from? I don't know. I mean, I'd made funny. I had made a couple funny films before that. And I don't, I don't know. Was it like I, I'm gonna go to an open mic one night? And yeah, kinda... yeah. I read Larry David's. I read a book Larry 
a book about Kirby enthusiasm and in it Larry David said how he started doing stand up which was he's like I found out there was an open mic it was a three minute mic so I wrote three minutes of jokes yeah I told the jokes the ones people laughed at I kept yeah uh, and then I wrote a new three minutes for the yeah. next week I went back and it sounded so simple and I really yeah. liked that and like I said I was looking for something getting to get me out of the house and I was trying to decide between either doing lounge singing <laughs> or is this real that's real yeah yeah i was i wanted to do lounge singing <clears throat> but i couldn't find a place to get up and then stand yeah. up they're just like yeah we don't care yeah. <laughs> are, there, are there lounge singing open mic i mean i guess there's sort of a there's this great piano bar uh called the duplex in the in, in manhattan in manhattan yeah which is sort of like you could anybody can sing yeah but these people from broadway come down yeah like, thanks guys sing. they're like i'm not you know they're yeah. like actually really good so i don't know there might be a that's unfair do you sing can can you sing? Nah, I mean, <laughs> but it was my dream. That's so <laughs> one, <a> two. <laughs> <laughs> so you, but you, so that's crazy that you, you almost would have been like, had you have found a, like a thing, a piano bar, yeah, a piano bar. Yeah. It could have all been very different. Yeah, maybe. <clears throat> you ever wow. heard? Of, you ever heard of Richard Cheese? Oh yeah, I love yeah, him. Yeah, my wife is like in love with that guy. Have you ever heard of him? Uh-uh. He plays like le- his lounge type music. Um, but he does covers of like yeah. Rage Against the Machine. Oh, cool! I'm the man in the box. Yes, that's good. No, but that's what he does, and yeah. it's yeah. just he has records of him doing. I think I might have seen it. She I, listen. I, she has like the Christmas version of some like we were listening to it this morning. We go on a road trip. I'm it's check all it out. Fuck, Richard Cheese. Is Richard Cheese, spelled as you would think. Dick Cheese. Yeah. That's what all right. Well, I mean. <laughs> How do you well, feel that your wife's in love with Richard Cheese? <laughs> it's a little. Worst it was a little. Weird. I'm like. By. <laughs> <laughs> but at first, I'm like, this is interesting that you like this type. And then I'm like, wow, you really like. Yeah, like too much. These, maybe um, these lounge, these you know, interpreted lounge uh-huh. covers is really funny. <laughs> I'm sure I w- Richard Cheese. I'll look it up. Wait, I'm sure I've seen hey, his videos. Try. And hey, Google. This is we've. This is we're over one. Cheese. The yeah. first song is People Eating Shit by Richard Cheese. <laughs> oh, I've Mother heard this. Fucker. This guy is fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. So, yeah, I've heard go. him. If it was in that vein, I'd watch that stuff. He hasn't, because it's funny, we were, we were listening and I'm like, I'm like, has this guy recorded in a while? He hasn't recorded an album or anything in like years. Did he play like live shows? I don't know, like he's off the map. We were looking. I'd go watch him live. Well, no, I like I would love because you ever see what was it, Doctor Dirty and like those guys mm-hmm. who perform and it's yeah, it's fun. I would totally go see that, but I don't. I think he's retired or something. <laughs> Took all the his back lounge there. money and what's so, he doing now? Yeah, I don't know. Sitting like, at home. Hey, what'd you do before you used to be a uh, guidance counselor? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, uh, we don't talk about that. Were you always a heart surgeon? <laughs> no. I used to touch hey, heart, people's hearts. In yeah, a me and the way. other students were talking. We found your videos online. <laughs> People eating shit. You were like, so you started at Helium. Was that the first mic you did? Yeah. And you were like the first. Was that when Helium just op- like started? Were you the first like uh, class? They hadn't been around uh, too long. I don't know if I was the like the first. There were people there before me, mm-hmm. like Andy Nolan and Chip and David James. Yeah. And, uh, Anton. Oh, I've always stuff. associated you with that that class of. I was with those. Um, I did graduate with that class. We, <laughs> there is that photo of us all in our graduation gowns. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> no, yeah, I, yeah, I was with those guys, but I started after them. Yeah. And then you moved to New York a couple years ago. 
And do you do a lot of stuff on the road? I used to do a lot of road stuff. Now that we have Kirby, I have a son. He's almost three. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't do the road as much right now because I like spending more time. At uh-huh. home. But um, but I used to do a lot of road. Did you like it? Yeah. I like road stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, it's also sort of whether or not you like it. It's sort of necessary if you just want <clears throat> different crowds that aren't all New York crowds or something. Uh-huh. You know, because you go on the road it's just really different and different venues and different people and how does uh like steel stacks or the like the leah valley stack up on the road in your opinion like where like not like like how do you can you gauge like is it more of a midwestern feel or is it more of like an like a progressive urban like a city or is it a mix like where do you think it if, so- if that's the line where where does bethlehem yeah stack up it's funny because you can even see a difference just in pennsylvania Uh uh-huh i did a mini tour it was just a pennsylvania tour with these friends of mine actually from america's got talent Uh uh-huh the one guy's a um, contortionist i almost said extortionist Uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's his talent people love coming out to see you pull him up (laughs) he blackmailed the judges to get on the show he was very good blackmailed the whole audience (laughs) one um no he's a contortionist and then my other friend was a uh, is a juggler uh-huh. and i did a tour with them and my friend harrison who's a magician and then the Muttley crew uh-huh. who's a dog act and i had to follow the Muttley crew oh my god and their closer is the dog talks yeah you can't beat that yeah, so i'd be like to... oh it's nice to stage uh, share a stage with the Muttley crew it's even nice to do share a microphone with them <laughs> <laughs> the dog would say yeah. obama and then they'd <laughs> hand it to me i'd be like this this smells like a dog's tongue um but so we did a tour that was just pennsylvania and we would start we started way out west and we were doing all these old theaters and stuff. And that's great. the Midwest. Like if you're out in Pittsburgh, that's yes, like yeah, exactly. When we started out west, I was not doing well, and the Muttley crew was crushing. <laughs> <laughs> and the further east we got, the better I did. Yeah. And the worse the, mut- the and mut- the worse the Muttley crew. <laughs> like, did. We've we've seen dogs like you. <laughs> but like out west, people are like we just want to have fun. Like I, I think I was I'm a little like negative or yeah. sarcastic. I could tell people were like. This guy's mean, and, uh-huh. and then the further east we got, you, everyone's like, "Yeah, life is shit. Fuck these dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not interested in their joy." That's um, funny. Like, <clears throat> do you think the dog would know it was bombing? No, he's, he's like, <laughs> "Give me read, a treat." It, no, it would totally know. It can read people's body that language. Cra- <clears throat> yeah, that is pretty crazy though that you can be, you know, in upstate New York or anywhere, whatever, just anywhere different than a big city, and you can definitely tell like the type of people. Yeah. Just by how they react to. Oh, definitely. So I would say, to answer your question, Bethlehem is kind of like East Coast, not like a big city. It's not like New York is, first of all, completely different than any mm-hmm. other city. But Bethlehem is not, is kind of like an East Coast as opposed to a Midwest. Right. And then West Coast is different too. And then the South is a little different. That's wild. How like, and so you've done it all, right? Yeah. You, and so do you have to, uh, change stuff or do you kind of just do you no because you also just feel the crowd because you could be down south but it also depends on that particular yeah. crowd it's not like all southern crowds are the same or all midwest crowds are the same uh-huh it really depends on the room too mm-hmm. generally it's just like there's kind of cities <coughs> suburbs right midwest and then the west coast sometimes they're a little more sensitive you just have to yeah and with, with your show that's coming up um which again is december 26th 
at what time? Seven thirty. The doors the doors at seven shows at seven thirty. And, and you performed there before. Like, do you mm-hmm. like the steel stacks? You know, they, they seem to be. Well, I don't think he likes Ryan Hill. Oh, that guy. I hate Ryan. Is he still there? Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a. No, Ryan's great. You sound so convinced. I love Ryan Hill. No, he, I, obviously we're Did you guys just go through a bad breakup or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, he got... We, we did a podcast live there. Um, we actually did the podcast in, in front of a, a live audience. Well, they, I don't know how live out. they were. Well, there <laughs> were people they were, they there. They were pretty groggy, but... But it seems like they're getting a bunch of... Was it at Grogfest? Grogfest, yeah. They're getting a bunch of musicians in there. Or musicians. I mean, uh, comedians in there. Uh-huh. They're, they're doing well. Yeah, you yeah. guys do this every year, right? The Home for the Holidays? Uh-huh. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. I don't know why they don't call it ho, ho, home for the holidays. <laughs> kind of upset about that. but. So are, are we going it. to work on a Die Hard 2 because... A Die Hard 2 book. No. Because if nobody <laughs> has gotten this and read this yet, I... Um, Can you justify why you like Die Hard 2 more than w- w- the original? Sure. Die Hard, first, number one, I'm not saying it's not a fantastic movie. It is. Yeah. It's a classic. Die Hard 2 is more fun. Um, I feel like the setting is better. You're, mm-hmm. you know, you're in an airport. There's tons going on. There's like more at stake because that building. There was only like that one Christmas party. Like who right. cares? You're at the airport. Well, I mean, he cares because it's. I know, but at the airport, you have <coughs> thousands of people. There's all these people in the air. You have snowmobile uh, chases. They like blow up a church. Um, <laughs> he fights on the wing of a plane. Well, this is what I didn't like about Die Hard too. He gets to the airport. Shit's going bad, right? And the cop there. The cops are... Well, he's kind of at the <coughs> airport first. And right, then well, he no, notices. No, he goes up to the tower, right? He finds yeah, out Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's that. There's a cop there or whatever, and he's given uh, John a hard time. Yeah, because he's from L.A. And it's like, yeah, but or wherever, he's yeah, the guy that just... Yeah, don't they remember, remember he just saved <laughs> everybody the last time? Yeah, but he you're doesn't like him because he thinks he's a big shot. He's like, oh, you think you're, so, you're such a big shot. Coming up into my air tower. Yeah, you don't you tell need me what him. to do. You need this guy. He killed everybody, and uh, uh, this—he killed the terrorist like a year ago. You think Let he, him up. He, he can help? I know. And he's giving him a hard time. I'm like, not saying it's a here. perfect movie, and there aren't. That was my holes, only problem with it. But I just feel like it's a—it's a more enjoyable film to sit through. I could watch it more times. Okay. I would also watch Die, but I just feel like Die Hard is kind of, eh. This is not as much at stake, is my opinion. I'm gonna have to disagree with that one, but I don't like that. I think Die Hard is a perfect balance between believable and unbelievable. Uh-huh. They said it. First of all, I'm not disagreeing with you. No, I'm not, when, I'm not even saying Die Hard Two is yeah, believable. George is getting hot under that sweater right now. <laughs> I hate when you <laughs> say you like life. something and people are like, "No, you don't." <laughs> <laughs> okay, how would I know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm expl- what I like about Die Hard over Die Hard Two. And like I said, I'm not saying you don't enjoy it. No, I could be totally wrong. <laughs> um, but Die Hard lays a foundation of believability. Yeah. And then there's a small dash of unbelievability. It's like in the High Renaissance, mm-hmm. where yes. the paintings are mostly realistic, but then there's a few very small things about them, a few small distortions. So when John jumps off the roof, even though it's unbelievable, we want to believe it. Yeah, yeah. We want to take that leap with him. And also we believe that he's actually scared. We yeah. believe that this actually matters to him. We believe that he'd be willing to do this. There's a foundation of believability. And so 
Die Hard was so hugely influential. Everybody saw this and they're like, oh my God, look how great it is when we take a movie and we add a little bit of imagination. If we had a lot of imagination, <laughs> should be better. it would be even better. And that's when action films entered the mannerism portion. The same thing happened in the with visual art uh, after the Renaissance. There was mannerism where the figures got more distorted, the backgrounds got crazier and they got less grounded in reality yeah. mm-hmm. and the same thing happens with action films with you know like True Lies and Die Hard 2 do, th- do you credit that to Die Hard? Die Hard it definitely um, has to be one of them yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lethal Weapon um, Rambo if you yeah. even look at like First Blood all those movies are like mostly believable a foundation of like believability Rambo 3 is almost unwatchable <clears throat> what's your what is that your favorite genre? Uh, what do you Horrible action movies? No, action. Is action your favorite genre of movie? Uh, I like horror a lot, horror? too, but not scary horror. Like, I like older horror from... Like, we, we, had, we talked about Dan Roebuck. We just had, he was in Halloween, uh, in Halloween 2 with Rob Zombie. Oh. He was in that. Um, he just got killed off every time. Yeah. He's like, he's like, Rob Zombie brings me on his movies to kill me. <laughs> I'm like that's still great. I do it. What 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 kind of horror? It wouldn't be scary then. Like like truer, like more re- like vampire. Well, scary stuff, but like so, like maybe like the 40s through the 80s, yeah. and then after the 80s, they just got so aggressive with the sound design and so scary with all the gore and stuff. And then now there's so many jump scares, and there's this pervading sense of doom and tension. I just can't enjoy myself. Yeah. So like, but I mean, they'll do throwback horror now like house of the devil or drag me to hell or mm-hmm. i mean i love evil dead i love stuff like that the shiny it was a great alien. horror movie it's an early 80s one is a house on sorority row oh yeah one of the best um horror movies i mean again it's not uh, oscar winning but in terms of that what you're talking about not happening like there's not jump scares and has a horror movie ever won an door. oscar i'm sure for like some did Rosemary's Baby get anything? I don't know. I'm sure a horror movie won some sort of, you know, is technical on, yeah. Oscar. Is that on the... Do you work on, like, movie scripts? Is that something that you ever would want to dip into? I think I've done... I think I've done, like, one or two in the past. But I don't like it. I like writing more. I just I just finished my first novel, which is coming out in the spring. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'm really excited about that because I've been trying to write... <laughs> write like real books for a long time and it just wasn't, <coughs> it wasn't what type of genre is that or that's uh ya okay and it's your standard coming of age it's actually about growing it's about 75 percent true it's about growing up in collectorsville oh, going to northampton dealing oh, cool. with bullies um you have a title uh yeah this might hurt fuck a bit. northampton this might hurt a bit yeah fuck oh. northampton uh yeah this, this might, might hurt, hurt a bit, bit. <laughs> and it's coming out from simon and schuster in the spring That's awesome. wow awesome <clears throat> so i'm really excited about that can um, people who went to school with you if they read your book can they be like wow that's that's me yeah. and i'm a horrible person uh, the legal department hopes not <laughs> they actually did ask me to change a lot they're like are all these names real you have to change <laughs> yeah these identifying characteristics you need to change that i love how the, the legal department would protect the assholes. It's like, well, because they, they know should, those people I, would I, sue. I, I get it. I totally get I, I, it. But the fact is, like, they should know at this point. Like, they're like, what? They're gonna, their feelings are gonna be hurt. It's like, because they were an asshole back in the day. Like, they, could, they probably can't read anyway. They went to North There's North definitely North. a Chad. Is there a Chad? There's got to be a, ch- a no, no Chad. No Chad. 
Um, but and then there's actually a diehard tie-in. A, a there's a diehard thread running through the book. The main character is obsessed with diehard. I love it. Of course. And I did some other diehard stuff. I named all. I gave all the bullies German last names. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so. So that comes out. Um, when? This is coming out in the spring. spring. Is there anything online that you can look at, or do you just gotta wait till it comes? If out? you Google this, might hurt a bit. Um, I mean, like the, it's up on Amazon and. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, we're gonna link. We'll link to yeah. everything in the. Podcast. What was that? So it's done, right? Everything's it's done. In. How long did that take you? Like, what was that process like? A lot of rewrites. Uh, that was a lot of. Re- I did. 11 drafts what yeah because well the book when i started writing it i started writing it kind of as a memoir and so i wrote it basically what happened but then i also wrote it in this kind of very weird stream of consciousness style because the main character is a teenager so i was trying to write it i was like what did i like when i was a teenager mm-hmm. jack kerouac yeah so the original draft was kind of like kind of a jack Kerouacy, and there were these weird digressions and daydreams and so the book changed a lot from beginning to end because when it started i started writing it basically as a memoir and it was 100 mm-hmm. percent true yeah and then it's ended as a novel so the it changed a lot is that is that something that you learned how to do at in college how to write a book or is that you just no. write it i've been trying to write for a long time for years i've been trying to write books and it just hasn't do you have to read how to write books? Like I did. Is try that something that. I'm in, like I would want to. I don't know if I'll write a book, but I don't know how. How do you write a book? Like yeah, you know? it's not. You don't just kind of. Everyone's asking how do you write a book. And <laughs> <laughs> um, it's I, different for everybody too. Like you don't. Yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I did read some books on writing. The most helpful ones, a lot of them I didn't like. Um, the most helpful book I've read on writing was, um, oh fuck. It's the Stephen King book. I've read it a million times on writing. Mm-hmm. That was the most helpful book. And then also How Fiction Works um, by, uh, I can't remember his name. I love him. He's a literary critic. So How Fiction Works is actually more about how to read than how to yeah. write. Mm-hmm. And the second half, I, I didn't find as useful. And the second half is, I sort of kind of don't even understand some parts of it. But the first half is about... <clears throat> how to read and he talks about free and direct style yeah so it used to be free and direct style is sort of like the most popular common mass style where you switch from the narrator's voice to the character's voice without saying you're doing it uh-huh you know you so you like it was a cold day pissing down rain why the fuck did it always have to rain when he just bought a pair of new shoes Now, like the narrator might not use the F word or say pissing down rain, but if the person walking is the type of, right, through the rain is the type of person that would think those things, it's like the characters bleed into the narrator Uh and you say stuff without saying, without attributing it, right? saying Mm -hmm. he thought, she thought. Yeah. Um, And is that all stuff that, is that where the multiple drafts come in? Like, or like your first draft, are you just kind of like... Blech, throwing it out on the page and then yeah so how i do it is the first draft i try not to do any editing or very little editing and i always move forward i never i almost never go backwards i always move forward mm-hmm. and you're trying to get everything just on the page and not edit it and not be critical mm-hmm. because you're doing so much work you, you could stop and and like harp on something yeah and it can take you months and then you're already you know and you're just doing so much work you're laying so much groundwork and stuff there's kind of 
it's just it's too much to also be editing and stuff. You just need to get stuff there so that you can have a frame of reference mm-hmm. also. Um, and then how I do it is then you, you set the first draft aside for a while for maybe a couple, like a month or two or you just don't even look at it. Don't even look at it. Just go do something else. <clears throat> then when you pick it up and reread it, hopefully you'll be able to view it objectively. Mm-hmm. That's the other reason that, I try not to edit too much on the first draft because you're just not viewing it objectively. You're not yeah. viewing it the way the reader will. So then you come back to it. You wait a couple months. You come back to it. You reread it objectively. And this is when you edit it. But try not to start editing. Try to like read the whole thing and just like make little notes. Like, yeah. oh, <clears throat> come back to this part. Oh, look at this part. And yeah. read the whole thing and just see how you feel after reading it as like a reader. I mean, and, you say edit. It's not grammar editing or like, oh, this is well, missing a punctuation. Kinda- no 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 that's like line (coughs) editing yeah um like if something doesn't make sense yeah like it wouldn't be logical or Uh you know yeah big stuff and then the second draft you write then you start like editing it and rewriting it and then when you're done with the second draft then at that point you can let a stranger read it yeah and see what they think and at what point do you involve a publisher or do they kind of contact you? Or you like, well, no, you think, I mean, you have a, you probably have like a literary agent that. Yeah. You know, so yeah. then, yeah, you have maybe you have a couple friends read it, see what they think of it. While you're writing it, don't talk to anybody about it. Don't bounce any ideas off anybody. Uh-huh. Don't even fucking tell them you're writing a book because yeah. it's like when you're cooking something and every time you open the oven to check on it, you let a little more heat out. Ah, okay. You lose the sense of urgency that you have. Yeah. When you have a story you really want to tell, you feel the sense of urgency because you're like, I want to tell this story. Yeah. And every time you tell somebody part of it, you lose part of that feeling mm-hmm. of urgency. Right. So you need that to drive you to force you to finish the book. Uh-huh. Because sometimes it's hard to finish a book because you're just sitting by yourself. Yeah. And you're like, I could stop right now. Nobody would care. Yeah, nobody knows. <laughs> Nothing Nobody's bad would happen, you know. Yeah. So you need that sense of urgency. Yeah. So, anyways, after the after you finish editing the second draft and you feel like it's in like a readable form, then you can give it to like a stranger, someone you trust. Yeah. Like uh, when I mean someone you trust, like you trust their taste. Yeah. Have them read it, see what they think of it, and then at that point, then. So at this, I I would have my agent read like the second or maybe actually I'd probably have them read the third. I don't know if I'd have him be one of my first round readers or not. And then I'll see what he thinks. He usually has some notes. Um, So on this might hurt a bit. My agent liked it, but he had some notes and he paired me up with a freelance editor who read it and gave me a ton of notes. Really, really good notes. Good notes. Because that was my first book that I'd finished. And so it was was pretty uh, amateurish. Yeah. And he gave me like really good notes like, I had a scene where a character walks outside and notices everything, right? Starts describing the mountains and the mm-hmm. corn and the grass. And <clears throat> and then he goes and walks down to the bus stop. And the, my editor said, what's he doing while he's noticing all this stuff? Is this a door he walks out every day? Yeah. Yeah, it's a door he walks out every day. So why today is he just standing there? Like, I don't, you don't realize, like, every moment you're describing something and the reader's head, sort of, that's a moment of time passing. So he just stepped outside the door and stood there for 30 seconds looking at stuff. <laughs> Is he high? <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it's so crazy, though, because it's right, because it's your, you know, you you need that 
person who, who is also yeah. you know well educated and trained at what they do to to yeah. bring stuff like that up yeah because you just wouldn't yeah yeah ever see it so, so he said what you do is have some continuing action happening behind the description so ha- he can notice like one thing or a general sort of thing and then he starts walking to the bus stop you just say he starts walking to the bus stop and then you can describe more stuff because the reader knows he's walking he's walking yeah yeah that makes sense and then so how long how long was the whole, from draft one to draft 11 to we got a date coming out how long of a process has that been i forget because like i said i don't count yeah i can't count you can't it was count. like a year it's a learning disability <laughs> uh no it was maybe like because i forget yeah i wrote all the drafts and then some of them i wrote with my agent some the editor helped me with and then we sold it and then it goes through copy editing of the publisher um the very last thing you have is like a line editor and mm-hmm. these people are sharks sh- they're incredible i'm like <laughs> oh my god i never would have what like they checked my dates and stuff they're like in 2017, December 12th was a Tuesday, but here you say it's a Thursday. Why? Because I didn't, I didn't yeah, yeah. think to Listen, check like, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> But I'm really glad they checked that yeah. stuff. They fixed some of my... There's some German in it because like the yeah. kid is obsessed with Die Hard and they fixed <laughs> some of my German and um, stuff like that. So I forget how long it was. It was maybe like two years. It's crazy. But like each draft was... I, have a, I, I hit a thousand words a day. Yeah. So... Each and each draft took like four months, three or four months, and then the revisions drafts each took like how many pages? Two or three it? months. I don't know how many pages it is, but it's like eighty-five thousand words. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not. It's gonna... about eighty-four thousand too many for me to read. Well, I'll take this... two years to read. <laughs> well, I, we can get it on a uh, Audible. You can <laughs> just sit there. Can it's it be not in too long. It's, voice? About, it's about a standard. They actually they asked me if I wanted to read the audiobook, and I said I think you, a actor would a audiobook. You gotta get Bruce Willis to read. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. See what he's doing. I'm sure. Come on. So is that is? Are you now um, in that? Because you do so much, but that's now I author. Moving forward, I mean, do you want to continue to do more books of this vein, and and that's what you're looking forward to? Yeah, I want to keep. I I want to keep doing it all. Like I said, like I like stand up. I like writing because you can do things in writing that you can't do in stand up. I like stand up because. You know, you're out there, you get immediate feedback from people. It's a conversation. It gets me out of the house. Mm-hmm. It's different. I, 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 I want to keep doing them all because they all are different. And it's nice to have variety. Yeah, yeah. So well, there'll be like, I'm sure, a book tour, right? What's you know, that? Go on like a little book tour or big book tour. <laughs> I don't well, you got to go down the Moravian Bookshop, which is beautiful, by the way. Oh, I love the Moravian Bookshop. Yeah. George, been, I don't know if you've been following the George concept, paid we're not going to get into this. it. Because they sold it to Moravian College. So people have been upset about it, but those people are idiots. Because it looks <laughs> I don't great. Get, I don't want to get into it, but those people are idiots. So I'm not gonna. <laughs> I don't want to start a controversy, yeah. but. Um. So let, let's go over it again. You have a uh, show, the 26th at seven doors open at Steel Stacks. Jim mm-hmm. Two's and Julian Simmons. Simmons. Mm-hmm. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll get yeah. yep. people. We'll have this out so you guys can click tomorrow. on the link. Christmas Eve will be out. Yeah. So you guys click on the link. Go to the show. Um, cause Tyler's right. Like the day after Christmas, you're either playing with your toys or yeah. you want to get the hell out of there. Nobody's getting toys. There's just electronic shit. Everybody's just upgrading their iPhones. I'm getting an, I'm getting an Alexa with a uh, screen on it. Nice dude. I'm what are you getting for your daughter? Anything cool? Does she listen to this? Oh, oh you said Alexa. <laughs> what she woke the? up. Oh, stop. 
Stop, Alexa. They're on to us. My daughter's really into books, although she can't. She she memorizes books now because well, my wife mostly reads to her every single night. So she she can go through a book and tell you what's going on. I mean, she can't read yet. She's two. Yeah. Um, but that's why you know we'll get her this book, The Die Hard Christmas. <laughs> um, Let's and let her it. read it. Yeah. Well, no. Well, she'll she'll be able to read it more because I don't think she's you know uh, once she's ready. She'll be able to do that. But she, we got her a lot of books, um, a lot of, because we try not to do a lot of screen time, but you yeah. still, you can't avoid it. It's just, it is what it is. You can't, um, how do you, you can't two, tell two kids parents. like you can't, you, because it's, it's the technology that is part of their lives. So you, it, it's kind of like when we were little saying you can't use a phone. Yeah. So you need to know how to understand to use these devices. Mm-hmm. You just can't use them as a crutch. How like, does, hey, I'm, I'm guys, mad at you, so go away. So I got yeah, yeah, you're yeah two two yeah. parents of two and three, and so so sometimes I'm out at a restaurant, and, like there'll be a kid, like just the whole time eating, they'll be on the iPad, and because I'm not a fan. Of that. How do you avoid? Because yeah. that's that's very easy. Yeah, I know, but how do you how do you? Because it's got to be like there's got to be times you're like this would be the easy f- I could, you know. How do you avoid well, taking the bait? Because it's it's work, right? So like if they're upset, kids have a hard time explaining you know why they're upset mm-hmm. or it seems very simple like i can't have that thing yeah but then you have to explain to them kind of why you can't have it now let's focus on something else i know it sounds ridiculous but like yeah, we, I, it's more we they, do, they, the parents i saw them put it oh yeah because it's because then they're, they're, then they're, they're, they're satiated quiet. yeah and they'll just watch it like we this is not weird but we do like a breathing thing if she gets so worked up we'll be like take a breath take a breath and then she does it and then immediately just your brain like goes to calm down. I don't know. It's, it's, everybody does different stuff, yeah, but mm-hmm. it's you can't well, also, you can't just feed them an iPad. It's, well, yeah. also it, it's kind of a, it's actually rewarding negative behavior. They flip out. Yeah. So you hand well, them the phone, go. so they stop flipping out. Yeah. And they learn. Oh, when I flip out, I get an iPad. Right. It's just an easy. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta. <clears throat> it's tough, but it's not. I mean, it's and you. There's only been a few times. We go to Goot because they don't seem to care that we have a screaming child running around, which is good. But we tend to try not to... We're not going to take her to a fancy restaurant. No, you just can't. Yeah. Is it scary? Like No, because you can always walk out. No, I'm saying out. like just like... Because you got to hope... I mean, you're raising a kid. Oh, yeah. That's, like, that's, that's like a good... You never know <laughs> if it's like... You got to hope it all works out. Like, I think I was raised good, but <laughs> I don't think... I turned out great. So yeah, I think, you didn't murder despite anybody. Despite my You're parents' good. greatest efforts, I'm this, you know? Well, so. that's the thing, though. It's like, I don't know, look at our parents. Look at us. Like, we're all here. Yeah. We're our parents' geniuses. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's true. You, you know, and so then you have parents gotta, who are, like, super rich and are maybe geniuses, and their kids turn out like garbage. Yeah, So, I true. mean, it's all relative. You just got to be nice. But. Yeah. It's, it's true. <laughs> just, just, you know. Treat people good. Yeah. What else, so, George? Well, I, I think... So we're going to put all this stuff in there so you can click off and find more about his upcoming book if you want to buy uh, Die Hard Christmas. Yeah, which it's I probably... I mean, get on it now. Would you Would you like to read the last page here that we can send everybody off? Sure. This would be great. Oh, we are doing a Die Hard 2 Hanukkah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> oh, I got a little excited. <laughs> Hans fell out the window still holding Holly's arm and slowly deliberate... Actually, I'm going to read my favorite part. Okay, there sure. You go. Whatever you'd like. I hate this. That one also ends with motherfucker, which I hate. Drives me All right. More police. So this is from the middle when the cops finally realize 
what's going on up there. <laughs> More police arrived, the FBI and a SWAT team. But Hans didn't mind. It was all part of his scheme. More rapid than eagles, his henchmen they came. And he radioed and shouted and called them by name. Now Eddie, now James, now Franco, now Uli. On Fritz and on Carl, hair long and unruly. That's, That's good. Right. That's awesome. Well, thank you. That's great. So thanks so much go, for coming go on. Go check out Doogie and Jim and Julianne over at Steel Stacks Wednesday at 7. All right. Thank you. Thank you very thank much you, for Doogie. coming out. Yeah. Thanks for having me.